Welcome to today's episode of the Design Leadership Podcast, where we will be speaking with Andy Vitelli. Andy is an accomplished design leader, having worked for many global enterprises to build, scale, and lead world-class design teams to elevate the role of design as an organizational competence, as well as a competitive advantage, ranging from startups to Fortune 500 companies spanning fintech, healthcare, technology, and e-commerce industries. Andy is also a co-host of the Surfacing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to deep diving into the world of the digital maker community. Hello, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to learn about your amazing background and your current role and employer and all that good stuff. So, Andy, in tra- traditional fashion, uh, before we get going into all kinds of uh, insights, uh, always curious to know if you can share with us about your journey. How did you get to where you're at to today? Sure. You know, I've been in the design industry for, oh, this is my 21st year, so it's it's been a while. Uh, got in really early days of web when print was still a thing. Got to got to really experience a lot of things in my career. Starting out, you know, I, I worked for. I'll, I'll just go through some interesting highlights. I, I worked for the tabloids. I was responsible for the final output back in the day of like the Sun, the Star, the Enquirer, the Globe, all of the trash magazines. And um, when I worked there, we were the subject. There's actually a, a show right now this season on National Geographic talking about anthrax. And it covers like we were the first anthrax attack in the United States. Our photo editor opened up a package, developed inhalation anthrax and died from it. It, it was crazy. That, that experience drove me to want to do something a little bit safer. So I went to the school that I graduated from and started teaching and eventually became the department chair there and really started to fall in love with education. I, I still teach today. But, um, you know, just touching upon on other highlights, I started a small agency with some friends. One of our clients were BlackBerry back in the day. We got to work with some startups in early days of mobile. When we broke up as a group, I ended up at Office Depot working on mobile when, as the only mobile designer when mobile was really becoming a thing. So things like we have come commonplace to us now, like PayPal registration, social logins, uh, Google Pay, all different types of wallets, right? Getting to work directly with Apple on Apple Passbook, which is now Apple Wallet, creating an in-store app, in-store pickup, express registration, all of the things, even an augmented reality uh, micro app with the band One Direction. You could go into the store and hold your phone up to uh, you know, one of the folders and, and, and those guys would sing to you. Left Office Depot, stayed in e-commerce for a little while, ended up really starting to transform my career and focusing on design for good, ended up in Minnesota working for 3M as the second designer focused on well, on healthcare in general. So got to work on things like critical and chronic care, infection prevention, drug delivery systems, food safety, ended up convincing them or showing them the proof that we needed to have a dedicated team for our enterprise healthcare software. And in that space, got to do some really amazing things, got to work on an app that monitors quality of care while patients are in the hospital to also get quick, clean and efficient billing. Because at the end of the day, the hospitals are, are in it, you know, they're, they're a for-profit organization, most of them. But then really got to work on something where Google or Verily, which is Google's life sciences department, uh, worked on an algorithm with us to, to focus on population health. Ended up leaving leaving 3M after a few years, stood up a global design team for a power sports company called Polaris, 
then ended up at SunTrust, which was a bank in the South as their first head of user experience, ended up working and transitioning through a merger with them where they merged with uh, another bank called BB&T to form a bank called Truist, which by default became the sixth largest bank in the US. And the work that happened at Truist, right, we hit, we hit a pandemic. So the work that my team were doing were around a lot of the ideation for uh, the COVID response of the hospital. Now, it, obviously, it, it takes a village to do this work, but um, just some of the research as we went and transitioned from the home buying journey to the home preservation journey, a lot of the research ended up showing me like Rocket Mortgage, Quicken Loans, and the way Google works, I saw that a role opened up and I was like, I got to try this. This is interesting to me. Uh, applied and, and now I'm here. So I'm the executive vice president of design, uh, first one that we've ever had in, in this company at Rocket Companies. So we work on Rocket Mortgage, which is the nation's number one lender, uh, Rocket Pro. We've got a couple of other Rocket Logic team member experiences. Uh, our design team has has literally just evolved and grown and scaled and matured. We're, we're almost three times the size that we were when I got here. So just lots of amazing opportunities and things. And, and right now we're focused on, you know, all of the different business channels that we support. We moved to the centralized part of the organization. So we're really just focusing on how to scale design to really impact the organization and the clients that use our products. Wow. Really cool, amazing background to say the least, and uh, curious to dig deeper into your your current role that uh, I know you just mentioned has tripled almost over the past year. So that comes with a lot of challenges and opportunities in its own right. It's always interesting to to speak with with leaders, uh, especially those that have been in the digital space, and uh, I think brings back a lot of nostalgia. Uh, the decades maybe seem like centuries in the tech industry, right? To things just come and go so fast, but uh, always a Amazing to hear, you know, the products and, and, and uh, experiences that you have brought to, to the world. So very cool there. Um, Andy, thinking back uh, around your career and your growth path, is there anything that stands out uh, going back from maybe academia or anything in your career journey proactively or reactively that was a defining moment or a catalyst to help redirect you or put you on to the path that you are today? Anything standing out as, a, say, one of those key moments? Yeah, I, I think that one of the key moments for me was working in South Florida at a time where the design market wasn't really strong. The design industry didn't have a great presence there. You know, you find yourself, this was, I don't know, probably 12 years ago. You find yourself thinking like, am I going to stay in this industry? Is there something else that I should be doing? And, you know, having those doubts and then running into a few friends of mine who were like, come on, let's start this, this agency. You've been involved in this industry for a long time. Like you could bring a lot to the table. You've got experience, like let's jump in and do this. And, you know, for me, just seeing this group of people that were quite newer in their career than I was at the time, but still like the, the passion that they had and the like insatiable, appetite for for learning and being able to create apps and digital products and focus on user experience and work with incubators and live that like work with different startups and and VCs and and figure out the whole industry it like reignited my fire my passion for what we do and you know I've been able to to 
get that excitement. And for the last 10 or 12 years, that, that excitement has not gone. I haven't lost like one ounce of that. It's just been like, that was the igniter of, of the flame that drives me. And then having to work, you know, the last seven years or so, getting a chance to work for things that are leveraging design for good to solve meaningful problems for people in healthcare, in finance, in lending, getting to, to really give back to a design community that's been really good to me over the years. Any opportunity that I can get, these are things that keep me going and, and meeting people and just drawing inspiration from the people not only that I work with every day, but, you know, the people I talk to throughout, you know, meetups and talks. And, you know, I'm sure aside from getting to, to meet you face to face, although nobody will see this because they don't see the video, but, you know, it, it's exciting. It's exciting to meet new people and, and learn from those experiences. Absolutely. I think uh, as we uh, extend our networks and learn from others, it's just, uh, you know, continuous learning and, and as they say, the rising tide lifts all boats. And uh, I think, you know, as leaders, I like the saying, leaders never stop learning, right? Whether that's right. Uh, books, uh, conferences, or just networking conversations. And and uh, I I look forward to those learning from your experiences as well. I uh, I love that you, as you said, kind of found the spark and, and, and re-engaged your, your passion and motivation, which I know is also a challenge over the decades to to keep that momentum going, especially with the busy demands of leadership and growing teams and corporate roles and all that fun stuff. So that's good to hear that uh, that was a, a defining moment to, to re-engage the spark. Uh, Andy, curious to know, looking back at your career as well, was there any major challenges, hurdles, or roadblocks um, that you came across? And if so, what were they and how did you overcome those? That's a great question. When I look back at, at my career and the journey that I've been on, I'm fortunate to uh, to come from a place of of privilege, just in you know my background and who I am. Not not my upbringing by any means, but just the fact that um, you know I'm I'm a lot like a lot of the people that have hired me over the years. So you know when it comes to you know just historically those types of situations, I've I've been privileged, but. I think the biggest roadblock or hurdle that I've had throughout my career has been myself. It's been my evolution of of learning and growing. It's impatience at times where if I had just been a little bit more patient, if I had just stayed the course a little while longer, I would have gone through less change or had to overcome less adversity by by making changes. And that's just through like different decisions that I've made over time. Like there, there are no like specific examples. When I think back to to those opportunities that I've had, it, it's been you know a lot of what we do as leaders, uh, unless we have really great mentors or other leaders, or, or learning on our own. Uh, we learn on the fly. We we adapt, right? So. There are opportunities to to look back, right? And what I have done differently. And and the truth is, like I would have learned, I would have absorbed things. I would have, like I said, been more patient with some of my challenges or or changes in my career. I have a the one of the things with me is is I I kind of get bored easily if I'm not really facing a, a complex challenge, a, a meaningful problem. 
you know, for me, I, I lose interest. So it's it's what do I do to make things seem exciting? And and to me, those are the the hurdles that I face. Andy, I appreciate your your humbleness to that question because uh, a lot of times it's usually you know looked at external forces that create those those challenges and roadblocks. But you know, putting it in, internalizing it and basically saying that you know they were issues that you had to overcome and, and deal with patience and perseverance. I think that's uh, a testament to a true leader to really um, you know f- find those those reservations within and and take some proactive measures to you know get around those. So I appreciate that that uh, humbleness and inward focus, if you will. Uh, Andy, I'm very curious to know a little bit more about your current role uh, at Rocket Companies. You mentioned already you've been there for a little over a year and you've been able to almost uh, triple the team in that size. So if you could tell us a little bit more about your current role and how design is helping to drive success there currently. Sure. So my current role as uh, Executive Vice President of Design I've got a design organization that I lead that for me, it's been about building a really solid foundation, building what I like to call a destination workplace, a place where people come to really sink their teeth into interesting problems, but get better at their craft, both by the work and the environment. So creating this community of practice and learning and and really creating this space where people come and, and literally just become better designers. So for us, you know, our design organization has uh, five pillars. So we've got our design research, which has our generative and evaluative research, as well as our voice of customer. And also our, um, we're looking to add strategic foresight. Then we've got our product design organization, which has our UX designers, our UI designers, our UX writers. We've got information architects and content strategists that also support that space. And they're focused on all of all of our major products. We have a digital brand team that's focused on translating the, the corporate brand to our digital products, including voice and tone. We also have our design systems team there and our design communications practice. The fourth pillar is our strategic design and emerging practices. And that's where our engagement facilitation is, our support for our uh, internal accelerator that launches. uh, It's a place for learning, whether that's launching a new product, a new business, or or just learning that we can apply to the backlog. We also have our emerging practices there, which are new to the organization, things that we've stood up since I've been here, things like service design or our formalization of conversational design. When I first got here, there were conversational designers that lived within our data intelligence world. But because of where our team sits, the ability to scale that and focus on that is uh, is a great opportunity for us. And the last piece is something that we also added, which is design operations. And that's where our research operations and our accessibility team also sit, as well as we're looking to add design program managers. So you know, building that, focusing on the foundation, how do we build this structure that enables us to teach the organization that design is the way the organization solves problems for people, right? And it starts with understanding customers and how we frame and reframe things and how we actually start to to look and identify different signals that are going on and to, to, you know, create better outcomes for our clients, right? How do we become more human-centered? But thinking about all of that, right, 
how how does design help drive that success for us as, le- as for me as a leader for us as a team it's about how we collaborate with people you know one of the things we also did was formalize the triad of product design and engineering and how we work together and you know it's it's really interesting to see that the organization shift from you know what is traditional financial services company to a technology company to a fintech company right how how are we providing value at scale to our clients through moments in their life that that are like i, I don't want to we we talk about certainty a lot right so we want to provide certainty for people in these moments that maybe they're a little unsure these are big like buying a house buying you know uh, uh, t- getting a mortgage or refinancing your mortgage. These are big decisions. And how can we be there for people so that they trust working with us as their lender and helping them through this experience? That's what we're teaching the organization. The organization's done a great job. We've won uh, many, many JD Power Awards over the years, you know, best in class for servicing. But at the end of the day, like, as our industry, as our world moves to a, a more digital, more speed, wanting to, to understand a process and more transparency, right? For us, that's about trust. And, and design is one of those ways that we can learn enough about our clients. So, you know, just like anything else, you know, how we scale this, how we teach the organization this, how we add value to the organization, how we drive success is literally about finding new ways to add value, right? Whether that's uh, looking into some mergers and acquisitions or some big partnerships, or just like whatever we learn about the people we're designing for and how we can share that through the organization so that everyone understands and everyone gets that insight is the way we add value every day to the company. That's uh, quite an, an amazing role you have. And I think from my perspective, a very well-rounded and robust organization, talking about the five pillars, I think you hit on all the key uh, main drivers that design you know, can and should be delivering to the organization from, from research uh, to new business opportunities. And, and as you mentioned, kind of scaling design, right? Uh, product design, yes, but service design, communication design, and, and all these other things that we know are coming very fast at the industry, you know, with uh, with AI and, and, and VR, so all these uh, new types of design disciplines coming in. Maybe just to kind of close out the last uh, statement there, Andy, and I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier, but to close out the last statement, you know, about, as you said, teaching the organization, you know, the value you can bring. Uh, needless to say, if you're growing so crazily as you have been, we know it's a it's a big ask in any organization to increase headcount by one person, let alone, you know, a tripling uh, departments. So, is there anything that you might share of how you uh, help to convince the biz, business or organization to invest in design, to grow the department, to bring on more headcounts? Is it qualitative, quantitative? Is there any uh, examples or insights that you can share that how you're helping to, as you said, transform to a fintech company? You know, for for us as an organization, when, when I got here, we noticed that the ratios were off. There were a lot of people Uh, a lot of product folks. So a lot of people creating roadmap items for someone to, uh, to bring to life. Right. And a lot of engineers who are waiting for work features, products to, to be able to code. 
but there weren't a lot of designers. I mean, there were a decent amount, but for all the areas that we've tried to support as an organization, just getting the ratios right so that we actually don't have things on a backlog for a long period of time, that we don't have engineers with hands-on keys waiting for work, right? So that's one way, just, just understanding ratios. So when I got here, we had a lot of, uh, there were a lot of product people, there were a lot of engineers, but the design support wasn't as, um, wasn't in a place where we would like it from a ratio percentage. There were designers that always felt like they couldn't get caught up. And because of that, the quality of the work was suffering. And we knew that we needed to take design to be in a more strategic place. So in order to, to scale the team, we, you know, in order to do that, we had to scale the team. And once you start to get some headcount open, you know, just like anything else, people see successes and it's how you communicate those successes. And for us, we communicated the, the design at different altitudes. We talked about, you know, design for learning or understanding human behavior, then design for optimization, design for differentiation and design for exploration. You know, as people start to see that design can play at different altitudes, then all of a sudden other groups or other people that hadn't worked with designers before, they all want to work with design. So we started to expand our scope and work on things like our team member experiences, work on, you know, we have a couple of other companies that, that needed help with design, whether that be hiring people or, or us hiring them to support the product on our team so that we could have this community of practice so designers can grow. So as, as we would branch out, we would start to really, you know, deliver solid results. And that would allow the organization to say, hey, wait a minute, like we can actually do more, right? Or we can focus on understanding what the right things are. And it's just, it, it's a snowball effect. It literally is like, as people see value, they want more of it. And as you can actually deliver against what the, the demand is, then there's going to be like, there's never a shortage of work. There will always be more work popping up. And now for us, it's, it's, Leveraging design to make sure that we're solving the right problems, not just everything that we can throw the, you know, the kitchen sink at. It doesn't make sense to do. Yeah, absolutely. As we kind of joke with a lot of our clients and, and um, I think everyone's familiar with, there's never a lack of good ideas, right? And I think exactly. good ideas and kind of quotations, you know, that's part of the problem is what do you take out of that, that front end funnel and start to invest time, resources and money to develop uh, further on. So, um, but I think in, in design, uh, the work is never done. Lots of things to work on. And as designers, we are notorious for working till the last minute improvements and then, and then, and then launching. Uh, Andy, I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier, which I find both intriguing and just quite uh, interesting overall is, is that destination workplace that you're building. Uh, I think today, you know, there's certainly a, um, you know, a, a race for recruiting and retaining the right talent, especially in the digital world. COVID has kind of upset things as well. Uh, and you mentioned winning some, some you know, acclaim in prestige from J.D. Powers and other awards. And I know that uh, Rocket Mortgages uh, or Rocket Companies is also well positioned or how do I say, um, uh, respected in the DVI space as well, the diversity inclusion. So, Anything um, that you can share of, of how you're building that destination workplace? What is the focus or key pillars that make this the ideal place that people want to not hopefully start, but build their careers at? 
Yeah. You know, for, for us, one of the first things is, is to focus on people, right? So if you can provide interesting opportunities for people through the products that they work on or the people that they work with, it makes it a little bit more attractive. If you can solve problems in a meaningful space. But aside from that, like people want to continue to learn. They want to grow. So we invested in growth of our team members. We were doing Nielsen Norman training literally every month for a while. We've brought in speakers, everyone from Tom Griever on articulating design decisions to Aaron Irizarry on how we discuss design and do critiques to Margot Bloomstein on trust. We have all of our new hires, including our whole team beginning in groups of eight going through Mike Montero's presenting work with confidence workshops. So we've really gone through like how do and, and even the tools that we use you know we're, we're in the middle of, of uh switching design tools but um you know just having the different design tool vendors and software make themselves available for us so that we could do training for the team to really feel confident in what they're doing now that's part of it right the other part of it is realizing both as as an organization and as a design team, you know, what you had mentioned about diversity, equity, and inclusion, as an industry, we have to look and see who is not represented and make sure that they're involved in building the products because we know that different perspectives and different experiences lead to better outcomes for all. So for us, it's been a, a primary focus on you know, how do we bring in people that are different than us? How do we bring in people that add to the strong culture that we have as an organization? And Rocket Companies in general, you know, has really invested in this. We have uh, Trina Scott, who's our chief diversity officer. We have, we've been recognized by Forbes as number three on their 2021 list for America's best employers for diversity. You know, we, we take that seriously because we know how impactful and how important it is because we're designing, you know, lending solutions for everyone. And in order to do that, you need to make sure that everyone that you're designing for is represented on the team that you're, that you're building, that, that's building those products. So, you know, it's been definitely a, a, a major focus of ours to be able to do that. And that's part of, of the destination workplace for sure. And, and you know, we're going to look to partner with, with other companies. There's a great organization called Diversity in Design that uh, we'd love to partner with over time. Just there's, there's so many opportunities for, for design leaders to, to be able to just create a better environment for people, amplify those voices on the team that aren't heard. There's, there's just, there, you know, as leaders, we can actually be the change that we want to see. So it, it's just literally like, just pay attention to those things because they do matter and they are important. Fantastic to hear. And I applaud uh, all the efforts and all the momentum that you're building, not just in your organization, but the industry in general. Uh, of course, DBI is uh, you know, unfortunately, um, a, a very prevailing topic today because it needs the attention it, it rightly deserves. And as you said earlier, you know, for your organization and others that are designing solutions for everybody to have those types of uh, folks represented in the process. As designers, we're very good at empathy and research, but to have diversity within the teams to represent, I think, is is very vital to success 
And uh, again, congratulations on all the recognition and awards. It's not so much, you know, the the, the standing awards, but what they stand for uh, and rightfully deserve there. Uh, Andy, just wanted to uh, throw out a question as well. When you talk about, you know, training and education for your team, I know that uh, you're also in education as well, doing some uh, some teaching at Kent State as well. So the question I have for you is not necessarily what what are you providing, but what are you getting out of anything from being in an academia environment? How are the students helping you in your craft or in your in your professional role, uh, if any? So getting to interact with students who who have this this perspective on our industry and this perspective on the world that's kind of like blue sky right there's there's this opportunity and and now more than ever i see people want to leverage design for good a lot a lot more than than when i broke in right so things like leveraging design for social justice for solving deeper problems than just you know products that that's what people that's what students are bringing to the table and and having those conversations and and that curiosity that they have and that wanting to just understand and learn is is so infectious it's the same when we have interns right i think that interns come and they bring this this new perspective and this this non-jaded look at things whether it's the way that companies operate in general or or just designers over time you know they they get a little bit calloused to some things and and having these pers- these newer perspectives and and this uh limitless thinking coming in really really helps us get better and and also teaching right i mean it, it's one thing to know to understand to be able to do something but when you actually get to teach it it makes sure that you know it well enough that you can answer questions that people ask about it. And people try to poke holes and kick the tires and a lot of things. So just being able to, to inspire the next generation is, is so important. Um, it, it's such a valuable experience for me. So I, I love it. That's great to hear. And uh, I do a little bit of uh, uh, teaching myself. And, and as I always say, you know, I've always got something to learn from everyone. Right. And, and, and you know, there is something to be said about the naivety, the naivety of the blue sky thinking right early in the career. Right. And, and what is it you, you want to kind of uh, aspire to be in your career? So that's awesome to hear. Speaking of students and uh, future designers, uh, if we if we had a crystal ball and and can predict a future, at least from your perspective, Andy, what do you see as the biggest opportunity or for the future role of design in, in the coming years or let's say the next decade? Where Where is design going? That's such a deep question. I, I think that we will we will continue to leverage design for good. And I think what we're starting to see is this, this explosion in technology again. I, I think we see these cycles of technology just has this boom and you know, what we do kind of catches up, right? And we find ourselves starting to to design in spaces that we haven't learned the full capabilities of the technology yet. And, and that in turn has caused some harm over the years. I think we're going through another boom in, in technology, you know, with all the things that are going on. I, I hate the phrase Web3, right? But if we think about Web3, as, as people are calling it, and NFTs and blockchain and cryptocurrency. And a lot of that is not brand new, but it's, it's, and, you know, mixed reality and virtual reality and the metaverse, like all of these things are, are 
it, it feels like it did when Twitter was coming out and Facebook were coming out. And I, I think as society, we learn, or I hope that we've learned from some of the mistakes that we've made by going a little bit too fast. So I think we have this opportunity now to have this exploration in this fun space, but we can leverage design to make sure that we are not making those mistakes that we made before, that we're being inclusive, that we've got the right intent, that we're not trying to cause harm in any way. I think design can be at the forefront of that. And I think that's what the next five to 10 years look like as we bring these, these products and technologies to mainstream and they become more uh, widely used, widely adopted. I, I think design's role is to make sure that, that these products are safe and, and mitigate as much harm as they can. That's very inspiring and encouraging to hear. Uh, you mentioned a few times now about design for good. And what we see is, is hopefully not a trend, but the new standard moving forward that companies are going to be more responsible, uh, more socially conscious, uh, environmentally sound, et cetera. Call it what you want, design for good, uh, circular design, triple bottom line. We say design for humanity um, because everything that is designed will have some impact in the world, physical or digital. You mentioned a few uh, really uh, driving pillars, if you will, Andy, about you know inclusive design and not doing harm, et cetera. So maybe just as, let's say, tying some ends together on the topic of design for good, is there anything else that stands out as design's role or opportunity to help drive that change? And or are there reservations you see with design trying to get its arms around too much, uh, too soon, as you said, maybe earlier, learning from our mistakes? So further thoughts on design for good and how we can uh, help drive that further? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. And, and my brain goes in two completely different ways. The first one is, you know, as a design leader, as a designer, being focused in, in the design industry, what I want to say is, you know, yes, everything that we do as designers should be about leaving this world the products that we touch, any interface that we design, any experience that we design to be in a better place than it was when we picked it up, right? But, but the other side of me makes me realize that, that as designers, right, we, we can't have that ego and feel like it's on us or, or we're going to be the ones to, to change the world and make the difference, right? We're just one piece of that. And it's our ability to collaborate and our ability to put the human at the center of everything that we do and our, our curiosity that we have to be able to bring people together to solve these problems. And I think that, you know, it, it's, it's as much on our business leaders and our politicians potentially and, and our technology partners and product partners as it is on design to do this, right? I, I think that we're seeing a lot of a lot of change in the world and a lot of change happening fast. And, you know, I feel like everybody has good intent. And and the role that we can play is really coordinating that collaboration. Because at the end of the day, you know, we may not be the final decision maker, but we have the influence as designers. So what we need to do is is keep focusing on on the humans with our human-centered approach and our human-centered values. And, and leverage our, our collaboration and storytelling to be how we influence the rest of the people that we need uh, that are equally as important as we are on this journey to continue to, to add positive value to, to everything that we do. 
That's some really sound advice. And I think the power of design to be human centric and uh, empathetic or however you want to define it. And uh, also to your point, you know, we can't solve this alone, right? So maybe design shouldn't be um, the, the one responsible, but as a, as a joint kind of co-creation effort there to help design for good uh, future uh, services, planets, ecosystems, so forth. Uh, Andy, I think it's been a, an amazing conversation. I've got a page full of notes, and I think that you are a very a humble leader. Uh, I think that you, you speak with some passion and purpose, which is, which is a testament to, to growing your organization and your teams. In closing, uh, do you have any additional or, let's say, final advice for our listeners who maybe want to advance their careers in design leadership or to elevate design in their current organizations? Definitely. If you're looking to advance your career in design leadership, I, I think that, you know, don't think of it as leadership. Think of it as coaching. Think of it as an opportunity to actually listen and be able to help people and be able to lead your team to, to deliver better outcomes, creating a space, uh, you know, psychological safety is really important. It, it's, it's a lot of listening and it's a lot of removing roadblocks. So, you know, the, the best thing to do is, is to continue to build relationships, continue to find people to mentor you and to be able to mentor others and, and just show opportunities to add value through design. That's the best way to continue on a career in, in design leadership. And if you're looking to elevate design in your organization, it's about finding new ways to, to add value. And again, it's about relationships. It's about taking people who may know that design exists to helping them start to appreciate the value that design adds so that you can build these advocates within the organization that can speak highly about the team and about the, the work that the team is doing and the impact that the team is having to others when you're not there. When you can start to have people talking about your successes without you being the one to say what the team has done, that's how you start to elevate design in the organization. And it's a long journey, right? The, the journey of maturity and growth and scaling, it, it takes a long time. And, and it really is about those relationships along the way, because that's what allow you to, to build the team, to grow the team, to have different opportunities where you can find those, those moments, those, those key things that design can play a part in to add value. Uh, that, that's the key. Very sound advice, and I think, needless to say, at the end of the day, it is about building and nurturing those relationships that carry us through our careers. In closing, Andy, I think that you have a lot of great advice uh, to offer the design community, if you will, and maybe just a little shout out or mention on your behalf. I know that you also have your own podcast, uh, Surfacing Podcast, which is also dedicated to this space. So maybe just a quick overview and mention to the listeners that maybe want to learn further uh, from your side in, in, in the podcast and productions that you're putting out there as well. Sure. Yeah. So I appreciate the opportunity to plug it. Uh, Surfacing Podcast is a podcast that I co-host with Lisa Walchman, who uh, wrote the book Managing Chaos, which is about digital governance. And, and we have the opportunity to talk to people that are creating a lot of, of digital products that we use every day and get to dive deep on what it's like to, to build some of those. Uh, I'm also on social media, Twitter at Andy Vitale, LinkedIn would love to, you know, if, if anyone would, 
you know, has anything that I can help with any, any questions, any advice, anything at all, like just reach out. This community has been good to me. So I love to, to have the opportunity to give back. So definitely reach out, but also Jay, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been, been a great conversation and would love to, you know, have more conversations in the future. Absolutely. Andy. I think thank you for that generous offer to connect with the community. And again, what you said earlier about growing your network, whether it's uh, uh, mentoring or reverse mentoring. Andy, again, thank you for the time and, and sharing all the insights and amazing backgrounds and learnings you've had in your career journey. We look forward to seeing uh, more from your organization and uh, hopefully some more awards and recognitions. Again, not uh, to to line the shelves, but to you know give you the kudos and recognition you deserve as you're driving change in, in, as you said, design for good in the industry at large. So Andy, thank you again for the time. And we hope that uh, we hear and connect uh, from you down the road. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this session of the Design Leadership Podcast. I do hope that you gained some valuable insights and inspiration to help further you along in your path in design leadership. If you would like to learn more on how myself and my colleagues have helped to empower design leaders for the past 22 years through consulting, coaching, educating, and uniting design leaders across the globe, please check out our suite of services found online at empowering.design. I wish you the best of success in your design leadership journey and pursuit of design excellence. Be well and stay safe.